Jackson podcast. Season two begins now. There's no turning back. Seriously. Um, hello, James Green Jr. Uh, hello, Raleigh Hatch. How are you? How have you been since uh, since December? Uh, I've been all right. You know, uh, a figurative, cryogenic <laughs> sleep for me. How have you been? Uh, have you been in a hyperbaric chamber or just the cryogenics? Um, I've been swaddled with the elephant man's bones, and I will not uh, tip my hat as to whether or not to my hand. <laughs> I will not tip anything of, uh, concerning uh, the particulars of that slumber situation. Fair enough. Are you saying, dude, just leave me alone? <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know why you're acting like we're doing a Michael Jackson podcast. Oh, man. Michael Jackson's all over. The- yeah, we're doing a Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, you know, not enough of that sounded like breaking glass in the no. beginning. It kind of sounded like a, a comet. <laughs> all right, we'll go with this one then. <laughs> yeah, that there, that's much That just better. sounds like, it sounds like dishes. Well, all right. Well, so here we are, 2015, uh, breaking into season two of the Axe and Jackson podcast. And uh, season one, for those who remember, we covered the Dangerous album. Uh, all, uh, I don't know how many tracks there were, 16, 14, 15. Um, uh, felt like an infinite number of tracks. Yeah. Um, and I don't even remember what year. Was that 91? 1990? 1991? 91, I think. <laughs> you know, maybe we should have prepared for this. <laughs> well, we're, we're slightly prepared. We know that um, we are going to start a new album. And uh, this one will be from 1979. I know that for a fact. Because I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. Um, would you like to announce the album? Well, I think uh, I appreciate the, uh, I'm not going to, Off the Wall is the album. (laughs) There you go. The regular original edition of Off the Wall, Mm -hmm. 1979. Uh, Are are there special editions of Off the Wall? Is it like... Apparently (laughs) in 2001, there was a special edition. Um, I'm sure it's remastered somehow and... I don't know. Maybe there are some. They put Jabba the Hutt in the middle of it. (laughs) It's the special um, Pink Floyd, Michael Jackson, the wall, off the wall mashup. Um, So off the wall, uh, Michael Jackson's, I believe this is his first, uh, technically his first solo album that is with original tracks. Yeah, I think, or at least his first adult solo album. I think yeah. he was a uh, so like a child when he did the other ones, and maybe the only the first one with O Ridge material. Yeah, and also the first uh, working with Quincy Jones, um, Dangerous, mm. Dangerous. The one we covered last season was the first album without Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. So I think this will be a good. Uh, this will be good to compare these back to back since we're we're clearly not going in chronological order with these uh, with these yaks and jacks and seasons. We're going as our want uh, yeah. leads us. 
Yeah, I know. I think uh, the the guest we had, uh, Lamar. Uh, I don't remember what episode. What, what episode was that? It was. Uh, he was. Uh, it was definitely on an episode Slash. where Slash played guitar on the yeah. song. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. I think uh, "Off the Wall" was one of his was was his vote for what we should cover in season two. Uh, and I don't think anyone else voted, so yeah, congratulations, so Lamar. <laughs> it it's is, a landslide. It's unanimous. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, technically, we did uh, when we when we did some of our practice Yaks and Jackson podcasts, we covered um, a couple songs from the Off the Wall album. So uh, we we have heard some of these songs before, and we have spoken about them. Um, so it won't be. It won't be completely as spontaneous, at least for the first two episodes, as Dangerous was. Uh, uh, I don't know. Do you? I don't remember anything that we said or discussed really about, <laughs> about uh, I don't either. The two, the two practice episodes. One of I remember one was uh, one. The song was uh, "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough," and we were kind of. Oh, I remember we were very um, focused on his preamble in the beginning of that song, because it didn't seem like he was finishing any sentences or saying anything that made any sense. Yeah. At least, at least not to me. I didn't, uh, I couldn't understand any of the lyrics. You, I think you knew the lyrics and it still didn't make sense. Which, yeah. Which yeah. seems to happen often with, uh, these, Michael or Jackson I had, songs. I had an interpretation of the lyrics that resembled yeah. a non dead language. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was don't stop till you get enough. Um, which was the first single and also the first track and also the first song we'll be covering, but it will not be this week. It'll be next week. Today, we're just going to sort of give an overview of the album and uh, sort of ease our way into the, uh, into the Michael Jackson coverage once again. Um, so let's see. So Raleigh, do you remember when uh, you first became aware of Off the Wall? Um, you know, I think that, um, I think that when I was a youngster of maybe four or five, uh, I believe I had a single on, uh, like on record, um, from this album, but I don't remember what it was. It might've been Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. It might've been Rock With You. Um, it, it was definitely one of those two. Um, and yeah, I remember, I remember enjoying it as a, uh, as a post toddler, pre, pre kindergartner child. <laughs> That's a small window, post toddler, pre kindergarten. It is. It's a, it's a small window that a, a post toddler, pre kindergartner can fit through. <laughs> post toddler. Um, yeah, but I, I have not ever heard the entire album. I know that. I, I have the album because uh, I, in, I inherited it with, uh, with um, the MP3 player I bought off eBay. But I have never listened to the entire thing straight through. So uh, I, I know just looking at the track listing, I know I can tell you Don't Stop to Get Enough, Rock With You. And actually, that might be all I know off the album. 
Really? There's got to be something else I've heard. I'm sure you know Rock With You. Yeah, I said Rock With You. Rock With You, rock with you and Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. That's did you literally just say Rock With You? You know, I, I'm not I really. I did. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm multitasking while we're doing this. I'm not, I'm not even, uh, you know, I'm juggling and cleaning my bathroom. Um, I'd like to welcome James Green Jr. to the podcast today. He's just joining us now. <laughs> Wait a minute, what's happening? I don't know if you've been listening to anything I've said this entire time. I, you know, I, I'm going to make a firm suggestion that we start this over, but I know that... Uh, <laughs> no, not you know, happening again. Huh? <laughs> it's not happening again. It would. What if I told you I was, mul- I was actually multi-instrumentalist Teddy Riley? <laughs> then I bet you catered my every whim. Then I would, I would go back and listen to every episode from the first <laughs> season just with, with that perspective, knowing, knowing that you were multi-instrumentalist super producer teddy riley um i feel you you aren't familiar with she's out of my life i feel like that gets radio play it's possible um i feel like this is definitely i mean i'm not super familiar with this with off the wall either but i feel like it's one of those things where we'll hear songs and recognize them that we've heard them before and just not yeah have not placed them yeah i i'm sure that's that's going to be the case. Um, I have. Uh, I, I feel like I've been hearing "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough" and "Rock With You" a lot on the radio, mm-hmm. and like just randomly when I'm out in places. Uh, definitely the two biggest songs from the album in the first two singles. There were mm-hmm. let's see, five a total of five singles from this album. "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough." in July of 1979. And then, wow, Rock With You wasn't released as a single until November. That's quite a bit of uh, time. I am, it's surprising that, uh, well, I don't maybe it isn't, maybe it is or it isn't surprising. I don't know how to feel that the Paul, the song Paul McCartney wrote, Girlfriend, was the last single released. Yeah, that was a full year later. Yeah. Um maybe I would I would theorize without without actually looking and having the truth uh and not knowing the truth. Um I would theorize that Don't Stop Till You Get Enough maybe came out was released as a single maybe before the album. Maybe mm-hmm. like maybe a couple of months before the album and then Rock With You was after it came out. That's just a guess. Let's mm-hmm. see. Yeah. Nope. I'm wrong. There's absolutely no reason. Well, yeah, okay, so the album came out August 10th, so a month after Don't Stop Till You Get Enough was released as a single. August 10th, 1979. Yep. I, I, uh... Is that the day you were born? No, I was only, uh, I was, I was maybe six months old. Okay. That's, that's vital information <laughs> for you to have. <laughs> oh, I just remembered something. I remember we have we have a listener mail from <laughs> from between the seasons. Okay. Can <laughs> so. I just point out though that uh the that uh, August 10th 1979 was the uh 
was the uh, three-year anniversary of the arrest of David Berkowitz, and I'm going to somehow try to work that into everything we talk about on this podcast. (laughs) That Off the Wall is secretly an album about the Son of Sam killings. But yes, let's, uh, if there's mail. Yeah, let's uh, let's quickly go into the mail closet. <laughs> we are in in the mail closet now. <laughs> it's smaller than I remember. I remember the mail closet being much more spacious. Well, uh, we cleared out all the mail. I think that's we we set it on fire at the end of last season. All that mail. Um, yeah, with not not with the conventional uh, kindling means, but with uh, a series of syncopated dance movements that we learned <laughs> while listening to Dangerous. Um, so this, this, <laughs> this mail is from Roy Peterson, 76. Uh, it says, I have a project of $4,500,000 US dollars for you. Reply for details. <laughs> well, I'm glad that, uh, he's honing in on such a specific aspect of the Axon Jackson podcast and that we're always looking for entrepreneurial and, the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, big money schemes to get involved in. That's right. <laughs> Sound effects. This is uh, this has turned into a into a morning zoo. <laughs> I want to thank Kirk Howley for the uh, sound effects machine that he gave me. Uh, I think hmm, our other listener, yes, our, yes, our, <laughs> our other Praise listener, Kirk Howley, our other special guest from last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we don't have any real mail. So uh, I encourage um, our two listeners to send us more mail in the upcoming season, and you can reach us at yaxonjackson at gmail dot com. And how do we spell that? Let's see if we can remember. Y a x z o n. Mm-hmm. Jackson. Jackson. J-A-C-K-S-O-N at com, And I think we're on we're on Twitter also. Oh, I know we're on Twitter. I don't even have to think about it. And are we anywhere else? Tumblr, obviously, is where our is where our um podcasts can be found, as well as on iTunes. And where else? Archive.org. And mm-hmm. uh, my my dreams, burner. my dreams late at night. <laughs> when I think of all the things that I should have said or could have articulated better, let's let's close up that mail closet. All right, <laughs> so a lot, it's a lot easier to close the mail closet than it is to open it. It really is. It's I mean it's painful to have to do it, but it's but. Techni- from a technical standpoint, it's it's much easier. I think we should leave the closet open so it gets some air in there. Right. It, it's okay. not as musty. Let's open it again. Although, I think it's the must that creates all of the sound. Well, we won't know unless we leave it open and get some of that must out. All right. Yeah, maybe maybe next week it'll be, it'll be less... Uh, Less of a must bust. Okay. Well, we can only. All I'm aiming for is a must bust on any of these 
that's something you need to create a sound effect for when there is must that we bust. Must bust? I think we we have that. It sounds like this. <laughs> that's the must bust. <laughs> I recognize the distinctive playing of David Hawk Walensky when I hear it. <laughs> Correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was, uh, I believe, the, the distinct guitar work of Phil Upchurch. <laughs> right, I think we've scared away the remaining, the remainder of our listeners. <laughs> well, there are no more. Uh, well, any, I'm sure that you will get even more mail about investing in foreign schemes. I hope so, man. We need that money. We need, we need to get that money, that paper. That fuck money, as Virgil, <laughs> as wrestling superstar Virgil would say. Got to get that you fuck know, money. You uh, know, a friend and I call large sums of money Fred Willard money, and I'm not sure why we landed on that, but uh, it's just to us, like, where other people would say fuck you money, we say Fred Willard money. Yeah, well, I guess Fred Willard is a nice sanitized version of the fuck word. <laughs> In fact, I might, I might start saying Fred Willard from now on anytime I need to... Uh, spontaneously curse at mm-hmm. now that I have, I have a child now that's, that's one major development that has happened since, uh, you do. Since, that since is we what, last had our Yaks and Jackson, uh, wrap up. That's what has delayed the second season of Yaks and Jackson. Yeah. Um, with, and I say that with no, uh, you know, it's not like I was in any rush to get to the second season, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's, what a wonderful delay to have! What a wonderful delay! I thought, I thought, um, I thought we were going to get to season two a lot earlier, because um, I, I thought, um, I thought having a baby was just going to be a piece of cake. I thought she was just going to come out ready to walk and talk and help out with the podcast. Uh, but that was <laughs> isn't that not the case why you at all. Conceived the baby, right? <laughs> yeah, you conceived it because you. You needed a help help with the technical issues. I need someone to. I need someone's little hands to press these sound effects buttons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't multitask. Turns well. out, babies are not born with an instinctual uh, concept of sound effects Indeed. or button pressing, and they're not even necessarily fans of Michael Jackson out of the gate. I'm gonna have to, <laughs> which gonna is have absurd. To, <laughs> yeah, I got. I don't think I've even played Michael Jackson songs for her yet. So. Um, I think that's be a, a uniquely American trait: babies being born with with no fandom of Michael Jackson. <laughs> I feel like in other countries, kids jump out of the womb and they're already moonwalking. <laughs> if only we had her in uh, in international waters. This uh, <laughs> this this may be a, this this but may that, be episode twenty by now. No, that doesn't work because internet, according to the laws of international waters. Um, the the uh, the laws of the person's home country apply. Like if it, if you can commit a crime in international waters, which everyone thinks is where you can get away with stuff, the 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 victim's uh, country, their laws apply to the crime. Huh. So if you take someone from Singapore to international waters and like you spit on them, you're gonna get caned. Really? Yeah. Um, so if you had that baby in international waters, there was no uh, guarantee that she would come out and be like, "Ho!" <laughs> Shimon was her. Yeah, yeah. Was, was going to be her first word, but, but, it, but it's uh, it hasn't happened yet. So she's uh, her name is Marlo. 
Um, not to oh, be con- that's it. I was not. I wasn't expecting that reveal so soon. No, it's okay. Um, not to be confused with Marlon, brother of Jackson, brother of Michael <laughs> Jackson. Um, we did have. Uh, I can't remember where it was, but um, I think her first misspelling of her name was Marlon. Um, so we have that was by herself when she was filling out the job application <laughs> for the podcast, right? Yeah, when she was filling out her birth certificate, she wrote Marlon, <laughs> and I had to cross it out. No, it's Marlowe. Mm-hmm. No N. <clears throat> so yeah. she is uh, She is at daycare now, which is why we can finally get these podcasts going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's, you know, it's, it's just fantastic. And uh, your baby is great. And I can't wait until she is ready to join us on the podcast. Yeah, I, I'm excited. She makes, she makes some cute noises. So I hope, uh, I hope we can capture those on, uh, on the PCAST, on the YJ PCAST. <laughs> Already obnoxious abbreviations. <laughs> um, let's see, what else, uh, what else can we talk about um, with Off the Wall? Have you, you haven't shared your, uh, your first experiences with Off the Wall, so feel free to do I that. I haven't. And I hope that you and the listening audience are prepared uh, for me to reveal that off the wall, off the wall was the first instance I came across of, you know how when you're a kid and something is massively popular, you don't, you're, you don't think that uh, there was anything before it or you aren't necessarily aware that anything came before it. Mm-hmm. And I remember like having my mind blown going to a friend's house and they were like, "Oh, this is the the album Michael Jackson did before Thriller," and I was like, "What do you mean before? Thriller? Like nobody does things before their popular thing. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like obviously nobody works hard and, and does things to get where they're going. They just arrive at success." Uh, and it was very, it was very trippy. And I think that was the first place I saw Michael Jackson not in his. Uh, his uh, like red leather jacket or his like Sergeant Pepper outfit, mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was tri- it was a trip. So, <clears throat> oh, uh, speaking of Michael Jackson's Sergeant Pepper outfit, I just uh, I watched Dream a Little Dream the other day on uh, <laughs> on Hulu, and starring of course the Corys, but uh, Corey Feldman was the main the main character in that film. And uh, he is definitely in his Michael Jackson phase during that, during the filming of that, uh, of dream a little dream. Then there's even like a dance sequence. There might be, there might be several dance sequences, but there is, there's definitely one dance sequence where he's dancing to like a, like a modern, modern uh, version of dream a little dream. And he is doing like his Michael Jackson moves. He's got the long, the long, uh, greasy, wet hair, and yeah, he's wearing yeah. his uh, tasseled. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know ta- his tasseled uniform mm-hmm. with the shoulder, tasseled shoulder pads. Yeah. And, uh, did we discuss that last season the Michael Jackson Corey Feldman feud? Uh, the feud. The feud. I didn't even know there was a feud. No, we. we I don't think didn't. Michael Jackson knew it himself. I think <laughs> it was a pretty one-sided affair. Um, but 
Yeah, so apparently, um, this is what Corey Feldman says. This is all what, you know, I, I haven't found too many other sources on this, but um, so on 9-11, Michael Jackson, Corey Feldman, Marlon Brando, and Elizabeth Taylor were all in New York City, and uh, immediately after the attacks, of course, uh, you know, it was, everybody was going everywhere on foot, and planes were grounded, and um, apparently Michael Jackson had, and his limousine he was he's like I got to get all my friends out of the city, so he got Marlon Brando and Elizabeth Taylor, but he didn't pick up Corey Feldman, <laughs> and Corey Feldman took this as a major slight, and was like I can't you know I thought we had a real friendship, Michael, and I mean to me that's still bonkers that like uh, you know Michael Jackson, Marlon Brando, and Elizabeth Taylor like went on this road trip to wherever they were going. Um, but yeah, he was uh, very. I I don't even. I think he told this story before Michael Jackson's death. But he was he's very like he just unbelievable. He just couldn't believe that Michael Jackson wouldn't rescue him. Did Did they ever make up after that? No, I don't think so. Wow, I, I think after it. he died. I think after, after Michael died, Jackson they made died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Corey Feldman said like yeah, it was one of those. It was just an unresolved. We never resolved it. Wow. Probably because Michael Jackson was like, yeah, and this is, this feels like uh, something very symptomatic of someone who's on Michael Jackson's level. There are probably a lot of people who think they're closer to him than they actually are. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, whatever. You'll note that when Michael Jackson was on trial the second time, um, or when, no, that, I guess that was the only time he was literally on trial. I guess the first child molestation accusations were uh, he settled or they settled out of court but the second time when he they, he had all his celebrity friends giving testimony Corey Feldman was not among them huh. but Jay Leno was Jay Leno was? yeah wow so. wow well thanks a lot Osama Bin Laden for breaking up Corey <laughs> Feldman and Michael the Jackson. team of the century. Jesus. That Just, was Osama's objective. In fact, I think that were Osama Bin Laden's last words before Team, <laughs> team SEAL Team 6 uh, turned him into human confetti. He said, I've achieved, you may have me now, SEAL Team 6, <laughs> semicolon, but I achieved my ultimate goal of destroying the friendship between Michael Jackson and Corey Feldman. So I will be rewarded in heaven with 72 versions. And then they shot him. Uh, boy oh boy <laughs> it's it's a fact it you know it's not in the 60 minutes report that yeah. they did but we are I, jg2 dropping knowledge for the uh for the michael jackson fans out there <laughs> the jackson jackson yeah. fans i should say osama bin Laden's like look i didn't get to marry whitney houston like i wanted to i didn't get to meet sammy hagar but <laughs> i destroyed this very important union. Well, now I can uh, now I can hashtag Osama bin Laden when I uh, <laughs> when we when we promote this episode. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. this episode makes it out to the world. Um, it's been a long time. It's like I said, it's been since last December two thousand fourteen since we have uh, since we uh, put an episode out. So 
I don't know if the world is even the same anymore. I'll tell you right now, it's not. You know, the I feel like this. That's the cue for you to start playing um, <laughs> "Living on the Edge" by Aerosmith in the background. <laughs> I can't do that. I don't, I don't have that technology. <laughs> I thought this right was now. a professional podcast, Raleigh. <laughs> I, all I can do, I can play the guitar solo from Veruca Salt Seether for you if you really want. Uh, I, I think you no, know, I do not want that. And you didn't even well, here give it me is. a chance. <laughs> about all i have queued up for you <laughs> that's perfectly awful yeah um let's see so what else uh any what other michael jackson things have happened i haven't heard any more michael jackson commercials so yeah they, that, i forgot that he was in uh or his song was in that jeep commercial yeah. a couple of the songs are in those commercials and i liked some of those songs or at least one of them i liked Oh, here's, you know, something just happened today, apparently, or 22 hours ago, Michael Jackson related, is our president, Osama bin Obama, oh no, Obama, Barack Obama, uh, a, a, a video, I don't know, someone did a mashup, I think, or a reworking of him, they made, a, made it look like Obama sings thriller by michael jackson oh um i don't I, I haven't watched it or anything but this was the first thing that came up when i searched google news for michael jackson okay well we could we could world premiere it here <laughs> i think but i think it has world premiered i think it, oh. it has already been <laughs> premiered in the world well so we don't have the exclusive god damn it people why don't you send the send your uh, michael jackson mashups to us first not the internet also recently um i think uh, forbes or a forbes like publication ranked the top earning dead celebrities and michael jackson came out on top wow uh earning now see this is this i think i'm looking at a british publication so it says here in 75 million pounds in the past year. I don't know what, what the uh, dollar amount is there. I think it's uh, a, a zillion. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, coming in second is his uh, former father-in-law, Elvis Presley. Wow. Where's, uh, where's I, someone, Jimi Hendrix Is someone the still their father, your father-in-law, when they died uh, several decades before you got married? But, or divorced, even? I mean... He's not even. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, so no, I got, know. He's not married to so Lisa Marini. So they got divorced, and then he died. So no, Elvis. I'm saying, like, is okay, was so, Elvis still his father-in-law, even though Elvis was dead when he married Lisa Marie? True. Okay, so let's see. So <laughs> no, that, before <laughs> before they got married, Elvis was just a guy, was just a a deceased man. Then when they got married. He was, what has he become? Deceased father-in-law? You know, I hear baseball players have unusual names these days. <laughs> you know what? I'm looking at the track listing of, uh, of Off the Wall, and Michael Jackson's only got writing credits on three songs. So, yeah. So, I guess, um... so <clears throat> I guess this isn't really his first all-original album. Um, 
This is oh, you know? definitely his, okay. his, it's his first. It's certainly his first uh, Quincy Jones album, and his it's his first epic. His first album on epic on epic. So post this is post Motown. Yeah, um, and I just remembered something that did come out between our seasons of Jackson Jackson on the heels of the uh, Going Clear documentary about Scientology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of the, his marriage to Lisa Marie, I read that Lisa Marie was a Scientologist at the time of their marriage, and that was the whole point. The whole reason she married him was because they thought they could get him to become a Scientologist. And the whole the wedding was like, super shady like they did it in um like the dominican republic at some judge's house and it was very like fly by night loosely organized uh crazy like they woke the guy up in at two in the morning you know it was, he was in his bathroom it was all this nutty stuff but uh i guess you know event michael jackson would not budge he's like listen i'll marry you and like you're cool and i think you're great and everything but i'm not gonna ever become a scientologist and that's then that and uh so the marriage was dissolved and it was never a, a legally binding marriage in this country apparently allegedly yeah i remember i don't know if, if it's if we talked about that or if i read about that also but yeah i, I do i remember uh seeing uh people trying to track down like that original guy in the hotel wherever they got married and like mm. there was, oh did we wait did so did that come I, out during the first season of the action jackson did i just waste I, I don't minutes remember. of everyone's time let's check our uh let's check our yaks friggin website and see if, uh, <laughs> and see if anything's been logged yeah that now that's a nice deep that's a deep reference for all the uh all the true fans <laughs> of a certain era and time a certain era um, I wonder, uh, so what's her name? Uh, Leah Remini has her book coming out, right? She mm. is one of the most uh, famous celebrities to leave Scientology. I wonder, yes. I wonder if she has any information. Uh, maybe we should get her as a guest next week. <laughs> oh yeah. Then we, she could also answer all of our Kevin James questions. <laughs> like how often did Kevin James listen to Michael Jackson on the set of King of Queens? Yeah. Um, I, so I, I thought of something to talk about, um, that's happened sort of since we started our podcast. Um, and it's, it's actually, it's dangerous related. Um, a, a 33 and a third, uh, book came out about dangerous and Mm -hmm. it was, I think it, it actually came out while we were in the middle of recording our, uh, our dangerous season. Uh, I have not purchased this book, uh, though I'm curious to read it. I've, I've read, I think maybe the first chapter was online somewhere and, and it was really frustrating to me, um, reading it. Um, it was, I, I feel like I was disagreeing with a lot of the opinions, especially, uh, the opinion that dangerous was actually an, <clears throat> like an elaborate, um, concept album <clears throat> just wasn't buying it. Um, it, the 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 writing is is pretty academic, um, which I've never read any thirty three and a third books. Um, are they typically like that? Or I know you, I'm sure you've no, read a million. They uh, they vary. Like some of them are not academic at all to a fault. 
and some of them are and some of you know it it kind of feels like um you know they they kind of go in different way a lot of different ways and i think that's what's interesting about 33th year a third <laughs> disclaimer i haven't read the dangerous any part of the dangerous 33 and a third and um yeah i guess you know i don't know it's like uh i feel i've read uh, i read the one on it takes a nation of millions by public enemy and i read one on paul's boutique and i've read parts of other ones um but i don't uh, i feel like i must have looked at some of the dangerous 33 and a third by that i don't recall mm. but however you want to slice it i will prove to you that off the wall is a concept album about david berkowitz <laughs> well I, I look forward to that to uh, to finding out the truth about mm -hmm. off the wall um yeah i was just reading about david berkowitz recently actually i was reading about his uh the apartment that he lives in because the apartment is still like it's obviously still there it's not like uh wait is it i've heard it yeah, wasn't yeah um the like jeffrey dahmer's they somebody bought that the house that he killed everybody in and and like i think they burned it they raised it or something they didn't burn it to the ground but they raised the, the building and i don't think they mm -hmm. ever i'm not sure that they ever built anything on that lot but yeah the david berkowitz uh building is still there uh i think they renumbered the address mm -hmm. so, so it's not this yeah. it's not the same address as it was when he lived there uh but I'm pretty sure people live in the apartment. I, he didn't kill mm -hmm. anybody in the house, right? It was no, all, everything no, he was didn't. outside. Oh, that's for sure. Um, I just read 44, the uh, Jimmy Breslin and Dick Shap novel. That's a, It's about Son of Sam, but they change all the names. Um yeah, he didn't kill anybody in the apartment. He it was, but it was still like a weird. Like he uh, had mattresses on all the windows to block out light and try to block out the sound of the dog talking to him. Yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> I and uh, you know, because of that, I don't know if you, I don't know if this is something you ever watched, but um, in two thousand seven. ESPN, I think it was ESPN or HBO did a mini series about the 1977 World Series, where uh, you know the Yankee it was the Yankees. John Turturro played Billy Martin, but I'll never forget the end. They ended it by doing like a montage of all the news stories of the year or that summer or that fall or whatever. And um, one of them was the arrest of David Berkowitz, and they played. Swallow My Pride by the Ramones is like the montage song. And now whenever I hear that, I think of David Berkowitz being led into police headquarters. And I, that, you know, that doesn't mean anything one way or the other. That's just something I said to fill time and space. <laughs> did you see uh, Summer of Sam, the uh, Spike Lee joint? I did. I saw that in the theater. So did I. Um I feel like that ended with like a punk rock song montage as well. Like, uh, what's her name takes the stage at CBGB's to she, that happens in the middle of the film. Actually, oh, okay. that there is a, yeah. They, and, uh, part of the reason I went to see it is because that band in the punk rock scene was a real, a band in real life called furious George. Hmm. Um, they had a different name in, 
I think their name in the movie was late term abortion. <laughs> but uh, I definitely went to no. The movie ends in a like it ends um, like it's a montage over a Who song. I think I think it's over like Bob oh, O'Reilly or oh, something. Yeah, you're right. I remember that now. But uh, I mean, yeah, that was such a you know. I remember they're like in in, in interviews before where I saw the movie. Spike Lee was like, you know, we worked really hard to make CBGBs look like it did back then we got the original curtains but then like they were so off with that adrian brody character who had like gbh liberty spikes in manhattan <laughs> in 1977 and he's like yeah i love punk my favorite band is the who and it's like what the fuck is going on <laughs> i don't think i had been to cbgb's until after the after i saw the movie mm-hmm. and i feel like uh the it's felt a lot bigger in the movie yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I think it feels a lot bigger in everything until you go there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hadn't been there before. Well, I, I didn't go there shortly after I saw the movie. And uh, I did my uh, outstanding memory of that is I went on, I think I went on New Year's Day of 2002. And I remember the guy at the door is like, I'm like, I'm like, hey, can I buy a t-shirt? And the guy's like, oh, gift shops clothes and i was like um okay like what about that shirt hanging on the wall he's like i can't give you that shirt billy baldwin gave us that shirt <laughs> and i was like what i'm like billy baldwin gave you a cbgb shirt that doesn't make any sense maybe he handcrafted it was it was it bedazzled it wasn't. There wasn't anything special that, that I remember. And it was very, but, and I didn't, for once, I wasn't like, you know, uh, Billy, my father uh, grew uh, grew up in the same Long Island town as the Baldwin family. And Billy Baldwin's father was my father's history teacher in high school. Ooh. And I felt like that was the prime opportunity to be like, oh, yeah, Billy Baldwin, you know what? Billy Baldwin's father, uh, <laughs> You know, so maybe you should give me that shirt. Yeah, he says I can have it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard of Massapequa High School, but um, <laughs> I think I can get that shirt now. <laughs> um, I assume you've been to the bathroom in CBGB's. I feel like that was, that was <laughs> yes. exciting. The uh, Seeing the toilet, the turlet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, not surprisingly, not the most harrowing turlet experience I've had in my life. <laughs> no, no. Well, what would that be? I thought um, had, I thought you had it like right there. I thought it was on the tip of your tongue. No, I just yeah. I think I was more distressed when I was in Germany, and they don't, uh, you know, they you still have to pay to use public toilets there, and um, I remember they. There was a Burger King that they put into a pre-existing building, so they didn't, and they didn't even have regular Burger King bathrooms. The bathroom was still like someone's washroom in the basement, <laughs> and I had to walk down a winding staircase. And then there was like a uh, kind of like a mythical-looking old woman holding the jar where you put your money, and I felt like I'm gonna, someone's gonna cast a spell on me. <laughs> I don't have any excellent bathroom, international bathroom stories, really. <laughs> I have a friend Rally. of mine. Uh, a friend of mine went to India, mm. and uh, he did a number two in the bathroom, and realized that there was no 
toilet paper. And all he had on him was uh, Indian paper currency and ended up uh, wiping himself with Gandhi's face. <laughs> wow, that's very sacrilegious. <laughs> totally I American. I know a girl, a woman, if you will. A, well, I believe she's a woman uh, <laughs> who did, ran out of toilet paper in a bathroom and <laughs> ended up using her hat. <laughs> that's a shame why use your hat why not just i believe raleigh I, like... I believe there was some alcohol involved okay. in that evening i guess that makes sense so like in a, in a clutch i would just i don't know take my underwear off and use that and just leave it that's that's what i did when i, I had an emergency like that at a theme park once uh-oh I just, uh, I lost that underwear. I was said it, goodbye underwear. Was it Neverland? It was <laughs> not Neverland. <laughs> it was not. It was uh It was not Neverland. Disney. That's a double negative. It was Disney's Animal Kingdom, a different kind of Neverland. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to to hear that, but at least you did, I think you did the right thing. I think you did what <laughs> MacGyver would do. Probably. I, you know, there are definitely worse situations to be in. <laughs> so I didn't, but I did have to, you know, I did, I was very conscious about it for the rest of the day and I felt, uh, you know, about what, not wearing underwear anymore. No, I mean, I felt, I felt, uh, you know, because it's not, I don't feel like I'm super uptight about going to the bathroom in public, but obviously there's so little privacy in a Walt Disney bathroom. And I think I felt like I was worried, like people are just going to know, like I, it was just on my <laughs> mind for the rest of the day. Hmm. So it's a small world. That's you not mean, in that particular park rally. No, that no. small world is in a magic, the magic kingdom, the magic kingdom. I don't know anything about Disney. Well, you better you better uh, buckle up or buck, hunker down or whatever you do because you have a daughter now. And no, she doesn't care. She does, she hates Disney. She told me uh, that's not the story I'm hearing on the internet on <laughs> Raleigh'sBaby.com. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's see. Uh, I think one of our goals this season was to. Uh, have shorter episodes <laughs> with, with, <laughs> with more focused, uh, <laughs> less more focused uh, banter and less rambling. <laughs> well, strike one. Yeah, strike one. But that's all right because this episode is uh, is still less than an hour long, so we're doing all right. Um, yeah, right now it's less than an hour. Wait until uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't have too much more to talk about um, with the album. Uh, I'm just just looking over the overview. Uh, it was nominated. Not actually, the album was not nominated. The uh, the first single, "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough," nominated for uh, a best disco recording Grammy, which I didn't even know was ever a category, but it didn't uh, didn't win. And it was also nominated for best R&B vocal performance, male category, and it did win that. Spoiler. Just in case you haven't seen the 1979 Grammys, or pardon me, the 1980 Grammys, 
I'm sorry. You know, I had it DVR'd, but I guess I can erase it now. <laughs> um, on the uh, on the All Award Show channel. <laughs> that should exist. That would be that would be a good channel. <laughs> I agree. That would that would be really cool. Where else can I mean? Think of all the time we wasted filming and broadcasting the Cable Ace Awards, and now where are they? Or the Cleos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I believe uh, there was, you know, I, every once in a while I will scour the internet for uh, Calvert DeForest related minutia, and I believe he presented at the Cleos one year with Kelsey Grammer. Nice, nice. Or how about mm. the the Edward R. Murrow uh, broadcast news awards? Now, do they broadcast those, or is there some kind of ironic situation where they don't? <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you they. They they tape it. Um, I don't know if it's actually broadcast anywhere though. Uh, it might just be like a uh, the winners get a, a free copy. I don't know. Um, all right, back to off the wall. Uh, I'm looking at the the ratings. All seem to be pretty damn favorable, like through the roof favorable, um, even from uh, Robert Christgau. Um, he gave it. A well, what well, if you can get the ex gal thumbs up? <laughs> I'm um, trying to think. I'm I'm searching very hard to think of a. You know, I know there have been times where I've disagreed with Robert Chris Gow about stuff, but he always like his uh, like his whatever grade he gives or whatever, like his written like stuff is always so on the money, and like uh, it's hard to. I find myself not really taking too much issue uh, other than stuff that's like, I don't know. I think he called, I think he didn't even bother reviewing D generations catalog. And I took offense to that, but (laughs) when you're talking about his, his written, are you talking about like, uh, articles or are you talking about those like very short, like the encapsulated, uh, reviews? I'm talking about both. I hate those. I hate those short reviews. Why do you hate them? They're, I don't know. They just frustrate me. They feel so pompous and like not really that informative. Um, well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's really cool that he's kept doing it all these years, even like as much as his professional life has changed. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's more of. A, I think it, it can. It's definitely more of a challenge. Sometimes speaking as a writer myself, it's definitely much harder to say everything you need to say in like a hundred words as opposed to a thousand. Um, but I get that. Like, yeah, I'm sure I'm just blanking on stuff I can't remember that he said that bothered me. But I'm fine with the concept of of like a micro review, but. I just, Riley, I wish you would stop attacking the concept I of hate his reviews. reviews. It makes me sick. I'm just disgusted. I'm sure he has nothing good to say about Veruca Salt. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't. I can't see. I don't even know. I don't even know. He probably hasn't even reviewed Veruca Salt. <laughs> He's above Veruca Salt. Or Letters uh, to Cleo. I bet he doesn't review Letters to Cleo either. See, now you're forcing me to use this infernal <laughs> contraption right, in front well, of me. While to, you do that, I'm going to, I'm going to list all the songs on off the wall that we will be covering. 
Track one, don't stop till you get enough. Track two, rock with you. Track three, working day and night. That is a that is a Michael Jackson original. Get on the floor. Uh, another Jackson co-written song. Um, then we have off the wall. Girlfriend, she's out of my life. Oh, girlfriend was the Paul McCartney song you were talking about. Uh, she's out of my life. Written by Tom Baylor. I don't know who that is. I guess we'll find out in seven weeks. Um, <laughs> I can't help it. Co-written by Stevie Wonder. Uh, it's the falling in love. It's the falling in love. Okay, that's the mm-hmm. name of that. Featuring Patty Austin. Uh, written by Carol Bayer Sager and David Foster. I don't know who any of those people are. And then we have Burn This Disco Out. <laughs> oh, son! <laughs> son, we're going to burn this disco out. You don't even know. I'm excited for that. That's a that's a Rod Temperton track. He has a, he has a few on, on that album. Oh, I love Rod Temperton. It's so great. Rod Temperton is best. It's, it's king in a Rod Temperton. Is that, is that Jimmy Fallon? It's Jimmy Fallon, uh, like, you know, going crazy. Oh, I just love Liars Cleo. It's so great. It's so amazing. It's, it's an honor to have you here. Um, so Robert Chris Gow did not review Letters to Cleo. In fact, he declared Letters to Cleo a bomb. Like do, do bomb? Symbol. A bomb no, or do bomb? Like, a, not the bomb, not the bomb. Literally a bomb that would be diff- dangerous for you to hold. He uh, he reviewed four Veruca Salt albums. Wow, yeah, I'm amazed. I didn't even uh, know there were four Veruca Salt albums. Oh, boosh! <laughs> um, and uh, do you want to take a guess what he gave their debut American Thighs? All bombs. <laughs> no, he gave it a letter grade. <laughs> he gave it a letter grade from A to Z. Yeah, from yes. I think he gave between it between A, a uh, the normal grade <laughs> scale. Yeah. He gave it a B for bomb. It can't. It can't yeah. be a good grade. It can't be an F. I've got Raleigh. I've got news for you. It is a good grade. I can't believe it. it. It's one of the best grades. It's an A minus. Unbelievable. See, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read. This entire review to you. <laughs> please, please do it. I only know one song from that track. I mean, from that album. So, and I hate it. This is Robert Christgau's review of American Thighs, Veruca Salt's debut album, 1994. Who cares whether it's real or not? However much Nina Gordon, Louise Post, and their penis rhythm section sound like the breeders, you could tell the two apart in a blindfold test, probably. But the confluences overpower the divergences anyway, and good. Commercial calculation is as irrelevant here as they're just the band gender has nothing to do with it, crapola. Whatever their motives in existential reality, they're less coy, less goofy, clearer melodically, and sure of the rhythmic turf, and at least at least in part because the breeders got over, thus diminishing but not eliminating their felt need for diversionary tactics in a continuing project of aesthetic reconceptualization. Okay, I have to stop because I think I'm going to vomit. Good, thank you. That is that is a little uh, in deep in the thicket, um, but I'm going to start back up again now. Oh. Creating a pop rock style that steers between male identified canons of manipulative pseudo certainty and female identified canons of pseudo confessional sensitivity. At present. 
What they say with that style means less than how coherently and attractively they configure it. If and when they become even better artists, it won't. Oh, my God. That's a lot of words. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe next season we'll cover that album and see uh, <laughs> and see how true that is. I don't buy it. Um, I think so- we should next season should be just looking up the definitions of the words in this review. Yeah, sounds like, it sounds like a bunch of Fred Willard to me. <laughs> well, with the Fred Willard comes the Fred Willard money. <laughs> Oh my god, okay. <laughs> I think his his review of uh the their two thousand effort revolver may even contains the phrase a phrase that I think will make you the angriest you've ever been. Uh, uh they've never gotten respect for their girl and sex positive rock and they never will, but they've never made a bad record either. Uh, wow. Wow. You know, again, I, I know, I think, two songs by Veruca Salt. And uh, mm. Seether, uh, from the first album, I've always hated that song. I've always thought it was, like, the most boring riff ever. There's not even, there isn't even a riff the, to the verse. It's, like, it's a chord and then some string noise. And that's mm. it. And, like, it's terrible. And, uh... It's about the seether, and it's like a like their their puzzle. You're supposed to try to figure out what the seether is, or no? Wait, no. That's the that's the other song I know. It's a uh, volcano. No, I think you're right. Volcano girls, where they they reference seether and they actually play that shitty riff in the bridge. And, and then, yet, yet, Raleigh, before this podcast began, you said to me in no uncertain terms, you prefer Volcano Girls to Seether, which I do. sounds insane to me. I do. And I, I do prefer Volcano Girls. I like the, I like the verse and the, uh, and the chorus a lot better than Seether. Um, I, w- I could do without the uh, Seether references in the, in the bridge. And then they, they, they do the uh, the Beatles thing. The uh, like the seether is neither. I don't know what what do they say. The I, seether I, the seether's I, Louise. Whatever. I don't know. I don't remember. It's it's some well, it's some Beatles, some stupid Beatles reference. God. I'm maybe just, you'll be happy to know that Robert Christgau rated off the wall higher than American Thighs. Well, good. But there's yeah. not much room. It's either an A or an A plus. It's a, it's an A. God. So so off the wall is one point higher than Veruca Salt's American Thighs. Uh, you know, I'm Raleigh. gonna have to. I'm gonna Veruca as Salt. soon as we hang up, I'm gonna listen to the. I'm gonna listen to American Thighs, and see if it's you know. really an A minus. You know, I I I just I think it's I I think it's. Uh, just a really boring song. The see there, I mean, uh, I just think it's really boring. Like, I don't think it's it's not like yeah, and it's it not steals its bad. Inter- it, it's not it like steals. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're listening. I don't. I'm not trying to <laughs> shut off the valve of hate. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, I'm just trying to say it's it's really generic. It's not like it is. It's not and poorly it's, recorded, or it's not like you know they can't sing or they can't play in key. Or listen, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's so boring and not deserving of an A. It's like maybe a listen, C. It's 
I agree. It it rips off its opening from being on the brat, and it's like cute to a cloying degree. But it like you know, it's the it's the sugar sugar of our generation. So what do you want? Like, what do you want from it? I don't know. I want I want more. Well, I don't know what I want. I want volcano girls. That's what I want. <laughs> you're on you're on fucking drugs. You're on fucking drugs if you think volcano girls is better than Seether. I'm telling you that right now. Like I don't I don't like Seether that much, but I know I know for a fact that it's I know this is not a subjective <laughs> subject. Well, that is why this podcast takes two of us. So we can so we can agree and disagree sometimes. You're right. That's right. That's why we have a Michael Jackson podcast, so we can argue about Rukasol. You're absolutely right. Ah, <laughs> uh, sweet Jesus. Um, well, I think we've I think we've almost hit an hour, which is <laughs> which oh, is, we're over an hour, which is like the one thing I didn't want us to do today. Um, but hey, that's, well, but I, didn't you say that you really wanted to edit this? Didn't you really? Didn't you say you love enough <laughs> editing more than anything? I, I fucking love edit. I Fred Willard love editing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no. Here's something. Here's another thing. You'll Fred Willard. Uh, Fred Robert Christgau gave Dangerous the same greatest American thighs. Oh my goodness! See, <laughs> and hey, you know what? You're the one that said you respect his opinion, not me. So. You, uh, I don't think that's exactly what I said. I think I respect. I think you said you wanted to slob his knob. Isn't that what? I think that's what you said. I think I said I'm ready to kill for him. (laughs) And um, yeah, well, I mean, I said that I know I disagreed with him, but I can't think of anything offhand where he was so. I felt he was so completely off the mark, aside from not reviewing Degenerations discography but he didn't review letters to cleo so he's obviously fucking crazy well based on based on the three grades that you just read off uh uh off the wall with an a dangerous with an a minus american thighs with an a minus um i think his scale might be a to a minus um okay just that random what do you think he gave foreigners double vision an a or an a minus you have a C minus, so you, you know well, you it's go. unpredictable. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you, dangerous is not an A minus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that for a fact. What a what was our fi- what what final grades did we give it numerically? I think uh, we were kind of in the five or six area. Let me check the official Jackson Jackson spreadsheet. Uh, your grade. Averaged out to six point six point oh three, and mine averaged a five point five nine. So pretty pretty damn close, five and a half and a six. Um, I was actually I was actually thinking about. Um, I think I graded very harshly. Um, I don't. I still don't love Dangerous, um, but I think the songs that I liked the most on that album. I only gave a six and a half to, and I think that's that might be sort of unfair. Um, so remember the time and in the closet were my highest grades, and I think I, I think I may uh, want to add a, a whole one to mm-hmm. to everything that I gave uh, every individual track I uh, I rated on that album. But I, I, I may change that. You never know. I, uh, you know, that's interesting to hear. I haven't even really considered it. I feel like, uh, 
I stand by my gradings of dangerous. Yeah. Well, you gave um, you, you have a pretty uh, wide uh, a wide spectrum. You have a nine in there, and you have all the way down to three point nine. So, <laughs> uh, well, I'm a fair guy. Not I'm definitely listen. I'm no Robert Christgau. <laughs> I I don't agree. You know, listen. I love the Fushnikins. Do I think every? Do I think three of their albums are A minuses? No, but Robert Christgau <laughs> does, and I don't think Dangerous uh, deserves higher. What was my? Tell me again what my fi- my final a six. score? For- huh? A six. Yeah, it does. Doesn't deserve higher than that. Okay. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I think uh, so. Mine ended up again. Uh, mine is a five and a half, basically. Um, I I would probably stretch out my spectrum, but I don't know if I would necessarily uh, change the average much but anyway all i'm saying all i'm saying is that i like in the closet and i like remember the time all right that's it that's it that's all that's all i'm getting to i like it i like it more i like it probably more than a six and a half but we'll see after we we dive into off the wall we'll see we will see raleigh and i'm excited to take this journey with you again and i feel like it took me about 40 minutes into this episode to really remember who i am and what i'm doing (laughs) and my purpose on this earth Okay. Well, I really I wasn't kidding when I told you that I felt like I've been in a cryogenic sleep, much like the crew of uh, the ship in Alien. Mm-hmm. Is it? It was that was Alien, right? Oh, I think it was in several of the Alien movies. I just I recently re- rewatched all of the uh, <clears throat> original Alien movies. Um, definitely, definitely in the first one, they go to their sleep and between the second and third one mm-hmm. uh i don't think there's any sleeping in the fourth one mm. but anyway um so yeah i'm i'm excited over the next 10 weeks to uh to to thaw thaw you out and uh <laughs> rekindle yeah. our rekindle our uh our love affair over michael jackson uh and we're going to we're certainly going to burn the disco out we will. We will burn the disco. And I want to say something right now. I want to say something. I don't know how feasible this is. I don't know. This might be just a wild dream. But Raleigh, I think the only way that we can wrap this season up when we get there, live episode in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Why Toronto? Because that's, Because, you know, if I may take uh, listeners behind the curtain. That's just my recurring joke with you that I want to go to Toronto. With you. <laughs> I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't remember if that was a reoccurring joke that had occurred over the, the show or if that was just in our personal, uh, we'll see that. That's, that, that goes to see, I don't think you've been listening to anything I've been saying <laughs> for this entire friendship. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. I know. I get it, Riley. I get it, man. I get it. I get where you are, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think we are ready to uh, finish this one off. Um, Next week, don't stop till you get enough. Everyone do your homework. Uh, We will be listening to the original, well, apparently six-minute version. Uh, I know there's a video. 
and I'm looking at the 2001 Off the Wall Special Edition bonus tracks, and it looks like there is a Don't Stop Till You Get Enough demo from 1978, which uh, I am excited to also listen to. So with that, um, send all your exciting listener comments to yaxonjacksongmail.com. Keep looking for us on Tumblr, Twitter, iTunes, and all those places on the internet. Peace out! The bomb. <laughs> the bomb. A bomb. The A bomb. <laughs>